my spidey senses tingling. He likes to watch strangers pick scabs off themselves on the train, but he's not a creep, I swear. It's Slim, the host of the Paper Keg Podcast, episode 112. Welcome to the show, paperkeg.com, 36 plus thousand followers. That's just straight up logical fact. We talk about industry, news, and the books we're reading. We'll do a book club every week. Same book for all three of us. Tom Strong, Volume 1. And we'll read your letters to close out the show live every week. Welcome to the show. We'll introduce the host right now, the host with me, moderately enough. To my left, he's a writer. He's addicted to diet Pepsi. Coke, get it right. Uh, his doctor says it's healthy, air quotes, <laughs> healthy for him. He has a room dedicated to K-Cups, not healthy. His doctor says it's okay. Uh, Jonesy loves beer. You're getting on the meme train, and I'm excited about it. Welcome to the Thank show. Thank you. I have finally learned several years later how to properly use memes uh, after I studied uh, you know, at the foot of a Tibetan mountain, Slim made me go up and down carrying jugs of water for years before I was allowed to post my first one that I stuck like a struck like a snake and got some money today. And uh, you know, I, I'm I've raised from the level of novitiate to journeyman, so I'm I'm quite pleased with myself. A uh, a snake that viciously attacks somebody's health problems. I mean, the uh, best trolls have some truth in there, you know. Oh yeah, you know? sure, sure. Death is absolutely uh, hilarious to Jonesy, and I'm not going to stop him. Uh, Dale underscore A, I just want to point out that I'm looking directly at you, and I'm seeing a lot more gray hair than I have ever seen before, and I love it, first of all. I, man, I marvel. Like, It's probably my best front, feature, right? The whole front is now like all gray. You've gone George Clooney on us. And if I could be that lucky from the far head up. Yeah. Mm. I'm probably... Your stress Your stress level really is for my enjoyment in terms of hair color. But you're a father. You're an alcoholic. Uh, you love to drink and play Skyrim and get nowhere in the game and just restart every few weeks. Welcome to the show. Uh, very too vitriolic, Slim. I have been playing the same character in Skyrim for the last six months 10 years sometimes uh sometimes my uh xbox hard freezes when i'm playing skyrim and then i just give up and i walk go upstairs and go to bed at 2 30 in the morning but i'll get your back there is no worse feeling than a game you've been playing for hours freezes and you have no save 
You yeah. just want to spit on I, it. I, You're I, so I, mad. I, what is this? The the Nintendo Entertainment System hard freezes. That's my pet peeve about the, about Skyrim. First of all, what game in 2013 doesn't have auto save? That just like kicks in every five minutes or something. What kind of garbage game are you playing? Oh wow, you're upsetting the masses right now. Uh, he's just he's like the uh, he, he vocally attacks where you attack via meme <laughs> in ways that could hurt someone. That's what Slim does with his mouth into the mic. Um, we're having a big show tonight. Is there anything happening in the news world? Dan Rather news. <clears throat> well, um. Firstly, the Second Circuit Court of Appeals has dropped a news bomb on us that is probably uh, has been a constant barrage of bombings. It's been it's been a daily dose of bombings, as far as Jack Kirby, <laughs> the Kirby heirs, love them, love that family, have sent uh, an appeal up the judicial flagpole. Uh, to try one more time to uh, prohibit Marvel from using Kirby-created characters. <laughs> and uh, and the Second Court of Appeals has, has ruled in Marvel's favor. Jack Kirby mm. was working for hire at the time, working for Marvel, and therefore Marvel owns the... Uh, the Mighty IP. Thor, X-Men, Incredible Hulk, all the stable of beautiful characters that you know and love from Marvel. Mm, love them all. And yet there is still a loophole where some of the Kirby heirs that weren't in on this case could potentially take this sucker back to appeals court. I mean, it's just a never-ending cycle with Jack Kirby news. I didn't even think that anything was still <laughs> was still happening in the Kirby lawsuit. World. Yeah, this is. I thought it was all this over. This has been appealed from. Uh, I think went into appeals court in 2011. It's a slow process. the The U.S. judicial system is a slow process. Slim. I I mean, you're my judicial process go to guy. Mm-hmm. I know that you're out there on the streets doing the beat. Front of the co- you're, you have your mm-hmm. little clipboard and you're poking people with your pencil as you take front notes. of the courthouse, asking people things. Yeah. Man, I see. Yeah, getting your you're sticking your new balances in doors that are shutting on you. You know, you're trying to mm-hmm. squeak out information about the Kirby case. And the uh, the bottoms of the soles are like wearing unevenly because of the way I bounce back and forth Boy. when I walk with my fat self. Right. I, man, I sound like a woman tonight, don't I? I'm very lispy well, I tonight. Mean, in general, I, that's just your voice. Just I, don't, to, uh, I don't view it as more effeminate than any other time I, that you speak. I feel like it. I uh, just get me to Thailand and finish that surgery. <laughs> you know, ninety percent of those surgeries in Thailand end in death. They're not safe. Mm. You're right. I'm not sure if you're aware. <laughs> um, Jonesy, did you ha- did you hear any news this week? I, you I have not items? been on the news trail this week. I've just been crafting memes secretly How about in a hidden room in my house. The K-Cups part like a hidden wall, and then I walk downstairs mm-hmm. into my meme cave. And viciously attack uh, yeah, there's certain criteria. Yeah, there's certain criteria. There, you know, health problems, uh, relationship issues, uh, any kind of nasty friend fights are usually what I like to go through. Like right for the throat. 
I do want to point out that in the pre-show, Jonesy pronounced the restaurant chain as Chipotle. Right. Is that not right. what it is? Chipotle? It's actually... Chipotle? That is the correct pronunciation. Chipotle. Yeah. I was going to let it slide, but I feel you like usually it was don't. too good. I like to think you don't let anything slide. That's your integrity. I have a memory of an elephant. That's when it comes down to it. Uh, Dale, what else? Anything? Do we want to get into the comic talk? Do you have, um, a, do you have a hot... A hot, juicy wire Just item. Just real quick. Um, one Kevin Feige, Marvel Studios. Uh, I'm going to just titillate you with this sweet piece. Uh, potentially has the Marvel Studios movie universe mapped out into the year 2021, folks. If everything works out the way it does and uh, and comic movies are still viable then, you know, it's it's just making hand over fist right now. And uh, there's no plans to slow the fake train down. You know what I mean? The fake train. Feig. I think that's the what Feige. it prefers to be called. Feige yeah. train. Is he the only one with intimate knowledge of that plan? What, what if something happens to him? What if he gets kidnapped? and is held until 2022. Does the Marvel Universe just cease? Oh, my God, I don't even... I didn't even think about that. <laughs> I, I'm, you, didn't, you didn't put your pencil to the beat and put that down there and start asking those questions? No, but what I'm, I'm writing this down right now on pencil and paper to tweet at him after the show just so I can mm-hmm. kind of bring that up to him. Uh, let's get into the comic talk. Jonesy, what did you read this week? Let's talk about one book. One book book Jeff Lemire on writing and art duties to bring us the sci-fi spectacular trillium 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 <laughs> you guys heard about this book I, I'm amazed that you were able to pronounce that <laughs> you know normally yeah. and you got chipotle wrong Chipo- chipotle chipotle I have no idea chipotle chipotle, chipotle. Oh, yeah mm-hmm. all right so trillium is two stories in one the first half of the book is a young space explorer xenobiologist who is part of the last remnants, remnants of humankind. A scourge-like virus has depleted the human, human race down to 4,000 uh, humans left in the known universe. So this young scientist lady is on a long planet in some forgotten nebula, and but she thinks that she has a breakthrough of curing this virus if she cultivates this rare flower that grows in this very familiar-looking type of temple where these aliens live. So she goes down into the temple, and surprise, she is kind of surrounded by aliens. And under a banner of peace, she tastes one of these flowers and what she perceives to be like a friendship uh, ritual. Turns out, uh-uh, puppy, not friendship at all. Mm-hmm. Now, she stumbles into the temple. She's all discombobulated. And then we realize the temple itself is really an ancient Aztec temple. And she walks back out of the temple, and there spoilers. is a... Spoilers. What? Spoilers? Really? It's halfway through the book. Is that spoilery? Because I got I to gotta tell the second half of the book. Okay. All right. Now this is a this is a hard book not to spoil. I'm gonna give you my my regular spoiler guarantee that you will be spoiled if you listen to this episode. 
So she walks back into the jungle to find a 1920s era explorer. So she's going back in time, y'all. Or has she? Is this a fever dream? Is she high on LSD? We don't know. The second half of Trillium is the story of the explorer running away from natives. And when he he runs, rounds, whatever the word is, this ancient Aztec temple in the jungle, he sees the space lady walk out. Boom, the two stories meet. Trillium, Jeff Lemire. Mind-bending. Reminds me of that movie, The Fountain, where the guy from the future is actually the future version of the guy from the present and also the god of the guy from the past. It's very confusing. But this is much more clear and easy to read. I think the print version... Did you get the print version, Dale? I know you didn't read it. No, I did not. Not yet. Oh, sorry. Spoilers. I think the print version was like a flip book. So the other side hmm. was upside down, okay. like the explorer version uh, so of the story. Both stories read to the middle, and yeah. then you flip and you read. Oh, that's really that's I cool. Think that's a rumor that I heard. But um, if I didn't know any better, I almost like would have stopped after the um, reveal of the explorer because that felt like the end of the first issue for me. And I almost just kind of stopped reading until I started paging through, and I was like, "Oh, there's a whole other story oh, here." Wow. I've, because that's like I I couldn't I couldn't you know if not see any trillium tweets all day about how people were literally bending it over and just finishing all over it yeah it was and then so I was like oh do I even want to read this anymore but uh they're like oh, the cl- some people were talking about the cliffhanger ending or something so when I got to the middle portion I was like oh well that was a good issue and hmm. then you know there was more that's uh, kind of amazing though if you figure if it's a print book and then you get to a certain point you close the book. Flip it o- like flip it totally over, like you're gonna read the back cover upside down. But then the back mm-hmm. cover upside down is the second half of Sura. I guess you're kind of reading like the Japanese fashion, right to left. I would think maybe to the middle. That's I, has that ever been done before? That's pretty ingenious. Uh, I think uh, we're, we're uh, jumping to some crazy conclusions here about. The reading method. I said, what's been done? Has it ever been done before? That's not a conclusion. That's Jonesy a question. To the, to you, that it's never been done you before. You have painted this trillium print uh, issue to be a mythical, and it, it could it could be <laughs> it could not even exist. I, I'm just entity. This is yeah, clearly conjecture here, fellas. Let's uh, let's talk about my book, if if we may. Uh, she died in Terabon, a Sam Kimimura mystery. Digital book from Agreeable Comics. Uh, evidently, this was a you know, like serialized story on the web at one point, so it's a widescreen format, uh, and it's about this detective that is hired to look for a girl who doesn't want to be found, but she turns up dead, and now he needs to find out what happened to her. And it's black and white... Um, it's like the character of the detective feels like, you know, like a series of books. Like if this was one of those novel characters, he would turn up in like 30 novels. And this is just one of his cases. Mm-hmm. And um, like a, really enjoyed like it. It's like really Wikipedia f- Brown. Yeah. Wow. I don't even Throwback. know that is, but That's like uh, when you were a kid in grade school, mm-hmm. when you had library time, you would go get an Encyclopedia Brown <laughs> book. It's like Sherlock Holmes Jr. Okay. 
the um, so this is from 2009, and each actual page you can see is dated like October 29th, 2009, and then there's another one November 5th. So it must have been really tough reading this on the web, like for one kind of page a month almost. Um, but you know, serialized in digital form, you can just read you know a year's worth in one issue, which is cool. Mm. So I don't have to wait. Uh-huh. But um, I think it's like a buck ninety nine. This is chapter one, act one. They called it. Um, I recommend it. Good little digital first. Is it just? You know, is now. it just like a a mystery story? No. Yeah, it's like noir. Um, it's like a new. It's like a. I think they call it a noir. Hard boiled. Uh, detective story. Uh, let's see. Blair Butler. I'm not sure if you ever uh, heard of uh, Blair Butler. Uh, declared that she died in Terrabond reads like a lost Ross McDonald novel. And Comics Alliance named it one of the best, eight best, noir comics. She probably, there you have it. She probably read that right off the teleprompter there when she was talking about it. <laughs> she might have. She might have. Uh, so I recommend it. Go check it out. Dale, what about Thanks you? for your wreck. I am going to talk about one, The Bunker. Number one. Mm, spoil it. You owe me that. Uh, Joshua Fyakalov. <laughs> and, uh, Do I have that clip? I think I just should. Just a throwback okay. to any new listeners. Fyakalov. <laughs> uh, Mark Farrington, former host of the show. Rest in peace. Now uh, dead to us. Dead. And physically dead. <laughs> and artist Joe <laughs> Infernari. Uh, this is a a special project between uh, Fialkov and Infernari, a a super creator owned project. They are trying to do something with it, much along the lines of Private Eye by uh, Marcus Martin and Brian K. Vaughn. It's released on their website, and they made a like I think they cut a little special deal with Comicsology as well to sell it right in Comicsology. And the bunker number one is about a group of friends uh, barely hanging on by a thread. They're they got they must be friends from uh, way back because they bicker like uh, brothers and sisters. They are burying a time capsule to the uh, much to the amusement of one of the friends, only to find that where they're getting ready to dig a hole for the time capsule, they find a secret bunker with all of their names on it. They break, they open this bunker up and find all this material basically inferring it's material from themselves from the future basically telling their past selves that they are the ones, the reason there was a mass apocalypse on on the planet. And like ninety percent of the population is decimated because of them. I wonder how he's going to tackle the paradox if they if they change the future by not doing the events that lead to the apocalypse. How do they even know to come to the bunker well, the to notes find that the notes. they read from their future selves? Tell them they have to follow these events. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. I apologize if I didn't relay the call. Basically, oh. it's saying they have to. They have to do this and cause this mass uh, apocalypse or the entire human race is wiped out. 
So huh. this is like the lesser of two evils. Okay. Wow, that's even a darker twist. Wow. Yeah. It, yeah, it's super like and the way it, the way it's paced and written like the reader doesn't even have time to digest what they're reading. Like they they kind of visits over everybody's shoulder reading the notes from themselves. And it's just there's just so much information and and there's so much uh, in the bunker there's so much proof that that it's real that you're almost like no wait I need time to process what's happening here and I don't have that kind of time afforded to me it's really it's it's a very interesting concept and I recommend uh, it's you read it if you get the chance kind of feels kind of feels like an old episode of like the Twilight Zone. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah, it has that feel. It's black and white, and uh, with like maybe some light blue or gray shading in it. But it's really, it's a it's a really there's interesting. A, there's book. a lot that happens in the first issue yeah. too, where it's like, it's almost like you're weighed down by too much information, but it makes you feel like you're one of the friends that is just like deluged by your whole future is ruined now because you know this stuff. Yeah, that. Uh, yeah, and that's I. Now, if that's just a beautiful by- byproduct of the way Fialkov needed to write issue one to try to get the information, get as much, he wanted to relay as much of the story as they could in issue one, but it certainly just makes you feel like you you don't have time to process because it's a lot being thrown at you. And uh, it's, 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 it's hugely interesting. And, I mean, Fialkov with his character stories like echoes and all that stuff great book it's not mm, i'm not echoes. thinking it's necessarily going to be a, a happy story but it's going to be super super interesting nonetheless and i'm i intend to subscribe and read this i don't think it's going to be like 30 pages every month i think it's actually going to be still like 12 to 14 after this oh, issue. okay like issue 12 will be shorter or issue two. any idea if it's going to stay 199 or if it's going to drop that I do not know. Very interesting, though. And it's all like, I think Private Eye has done like this, but it's basically all formatted for a landscape iPad. Like, it's in widescreen. Yeah. And uh, yeah. so it's all, sh- the pages are all shaped that way, but the panels are different within those pages. But mm-hmm. it's, a, it's, a, it's a handsome setup. I was really interested, too, that Infernari does this book called Time... Effers, did you ever look up that book? I've heard, yeah, I've heard of that book. I think guy about this kid that is like a total zilch, and he's wronged by people. But he so to get back at like his bullies, he goes back in time and has sex with their mother <laughs> so that he wipes them out of existence, or they look like worse off than he is. Search his face just now, priceless, <laughs> <laughs> and it's hilarious. But the art style from this artist is totally different than this book and it like blows my mind that I don't know if he would prefer to be called a cartoonist but he can shift his style to different projects and it like blows my mind Mm. that this is the same artist and Time Effers has like this cartoony hilarious he looks just like a fat young Elvis and uh, it's a a free webcomic you should find it and it's a pretty hilarious he goes uh, he goes back in time and I think he like (laughs) <laughs> he gets really upset at his brother, his half brother. So he goes back in time to have sex with his own mother to wipe oh, out. 
So he oh, finds man. like this pimp that came then had sex with his mother the one night that birthed his brother. It's, it's really hilarious. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> I, hope oh. so. I mean, with a premise like that, how can yeah, it not I just be an enjoyable romp? <laughs> uh, Jonesy, uh, two sentences or less. Lightning round. Bur- Please. Burn the Orphanage, Image Comics, a story by uh, Daniel Friedman and Cena Grace. Um, if you're a fan of such classic scrolling fighting games as Double Dragon or Final Fury, Final Fight, then you will get a kick and nostalgic feel out of this comic. Rocketeer and the Spirit Pulp Friction. A fun, old-timey romp with two classic characters drawn by Paul Smith. What more do you need? It's also written by Mark Wade. <clears throat> Wild Blue Yonder, number two. Uh, Zach uh, Howard, Mike Raked. Gorgeous second issue with a twist ending that had me audibly gasping. What? And worrying. <sighs> Gorgeous book. Okay, third sentence. Tom Strong from Alan Moore, our dear friend, and Chris Sprouse, but also a host of uh, other artists. Legendary artists, I might add. Uh, from America's Best Comics, which I believe was a Wildstorm imprint back in the day. So Alan Moore could just do whatever the F he <laughs> wanted. Shocker. Uh, Jonesy, please. Please do us the honor. Wow. God, Where do please, I begin with Thomas please. Strong? Now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to preface it saying I'm going to mention a Golden Embargo book for a second. You're just going <laughs> to have to deals. Oh, my God. Seven Issues is volume one of Thomas Strong. Uh, and each issue continues an overarching story, but is somehow a single-issue gem. Uh, this Alan Moore guy can write, guys. I don't know if you ever heard of him before, but he is quite mm-hmm. talented. Uh, the story so far is about the title character, Tom Strong, who was raised on a remote island in a... Um, de- I don't know if it's called a denser gravity or high-gravity high chamber... So essentially, he, along with the assistance of his uh, robotic servant Newman, is grown to be like a Superman-type character with a high intellect. I mean, he can't fly or do all the heat vision, x-ray vision, but he's just super tough. Uh, He chews on a route that can, you know, extend his age. He's just a super perfect guy. And after he leaves this chamber with his parents dead... Uh, he just starts a family and becomes this do-gooding super genius. Uh, the best way to describe this book is like planetary for families. So, uh, you know, Tom Strong has these one-off adventures where he fights his arch nemesis, Modular Man, where he fights uh, 
and future Aztec culture, heavy Aztec episode, uh, episode 112, uh, who invades <laughs> parallel Earths with their uh, Quizzicottle 9 god. Uh, great one-off story. And then the first volume ends with a four-issue uh, overarching story of Tom Strong versus his old arch nemesis and even his his own neo-Nazi super genius son, which sounds crazy but makes sense in this volume. Uh, Alan Moore just, again, defies the conventions of superhero comics, uh, defies the sci-fi genre, and kind of marries them in this great pulp way that is somehow relevant. I don't even know if that's an accurate description. That even makes sense as a sentence, but Tom Strong makes sense. You guys, I'm going to give you the go-ahead to <laughs> read every issue of Tom Strong. Right. Thank you. You were waiting for Thanks. my approval, I know. I was. So thoughts on this, Dale? Yeah, this this Alan Moore character is... I Okay, here's, I think what I loved most about Tom Strong. I loved a lot about Tom Strong. Let's get one thing straight here. Please. And this is not a knock <clears throat> against the book. The oh, Alan Moore crafts and paints a futuristic world where people aren't perfect. They are very much the way they are. They curse not heavily. This book, I mean, I, I don't know if I could quantify this as a an all ages book by one of some of the terminology dropped by other characters but Tom Strong himself is like such a family man and like a wholesome guy that I I he's like infallible and I just thought it was the greatest thing he's got a wonderful family they adventure together they kind of understand each other that I, I just, I don't know. I, I, this book was like, I don't know. This might be up there for me. This is the first time I've ever read it. This might be top five, top five now. I probably wow, have a huge really? top five. I probably have a top five that's like 10 titles long, but 20. Have you already ordered the hardcover? Inquiring minds want to know. Uh, <laughs> only due to budgetary restrictions. I have not. I saw that they're out there. For the record, um, you're just saying that so your mortgage company gets off your back. Can you imagine if this was like an an ongoing that was in issue 300 with the same creative oh team? Oh my god! I would, I would, I would just never leave. Yeah, I would just read those issues and I would wait for the newest issue. Like I, I would feel like I was a member of the the Tom Strong fan club that was in this book. Like I would be one running to the store to get the latest edition. Mm-hmm. This is like the Warren Ellis thing that we're always talking about, like the one off stories that you can just read and not care about anything else and, and just find an enjoyable action packed like the issue where he goes to he time travels to you know Pangea or like when mm-hmm. like there was just one continent I mean unbelievable yeah unbelievable just like the little Alan Moore ideas where you know what if that there was intelligent life before you know the big meteor crash that split up everything and how would we even know? There was organisms that, you know, merged together and had intellect, and once they saw Tom Strong back then, it, like, freaked them out, and they learned English. They learned how to act like a human being. We would never know because the meteors wiped them out. We don't even know what was in around this area before that time. And just the mind-bottling 
like stuff that they went back in time, but they brought some of the organisms back with them. So then he shipped those organisms back, but then not realizing that, that then those organisms had future intellect, and then it just like screwed them up even more. I mean, ugh. and then like the, this book is so fantastic. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, I mean the Aztec Inca uh, idea where there's a parallel world where the the Aztecs survived and did go on to become this world leading intellect culture where they were the best and then they were the best so much so that they created their own AI and went across parallel universes to take over other other versions of themselves amazing yeah I'm like how what, do people how even, do you even think come up of that? With that stuff yeah exactly the first issue like the first issue is just super hooks you and puts a huge grin on your face because Tom Strong is a, is a man that exists in the world and the world knows about him. They knows they know about his uh, victories, his uh, his world saving abilities, and you know he's he, he's sort of worshipped for it. And I guess he was able to I don't know franchise himself or franchise his name for the good of you know kids to help them feel yeah. involved. So the first issue is this kid who uh, just got his like. Uh, introduct you know his starter pack for the Strong Men of America fan club, and as it turns out, this his kid's like riding his cable car, his futuristic cable car to school, and it gets held up by bandits. And in the end, you find out this kid is so wrapped up in reading this uh, Tom Strong, uh, the origin of Tom Strong fan starter pack for the fan club, that with membership to the strong men of america like he gets basically he got a personal escort to school like he was he, he tom strong came and defeated the bandits that were holding up the cable car while this little kid was engrossed in the uh the comic and then he didn't even realize like tom strong was like you know welcome to the strong men of america fan club i'm glad i was able to assist you on your way to school today or something. And and the kid didn't even know it was Tom Strong like because he was so enthralled into the uh, the story. I, I just thought that was the coolest thing. Like D- Tom Strong is such a, you know, a classy, classy guy that he's going to help this mm-hmm. kid get to school. I, it was... How about the kid... How about the kid's return at the in the in the, the end of this, this arc? Oh, yeah. Issue 7 in the future version. That's so that was great. amazing. I, you know, I screenshotted a couple uh, pages as I went along. Uh, the first screenshot was, of course, the last panel where Tom Strong is kind of out of panel, and he's just like, happy to get you to school on time, uh, number 20, 2059. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. and the kid's like, holy socks. Like, it was just this great page that, like, wasn't serious, but it was just such a great moment. It tied the book together. And then the next one was in that Aztecs... Um, issue uh issue number three where he steals like the air um disc with the handle on it and -hmm. he's like oh this is the uh, most ingenious navigation system i've ever seen it's really just a a symbol of hieroglyphs where you don't even steer it takes you when you go and he's like in his mind breaking down how it must work and then it just ends Mm -hmm. with actually i think i should probably get one of these so it's like (laughs) just one word that word actually just makes it a comedy page. And that's just a testament to how strong of a writer Alan Moore is and how he can change the mood, you know, with one word. I just thought mm-hmm. that was an awesome panel. 
Um, the, go ahead. The, the Tom Strong character felt like a less, like it, it reminded me a lot of Alan Moore's Superman, but, but maybe like a less preachy, more family-oriented uh, Superman character. And like you never felt like Tom Strong was in danger at any point, almost. Like no, he was definitely, definitely not. like in bad situations, but you just always felt like he was just going to figure a way out. And I don't know, like it was like a mixture of Reed Richards mm-hmm. plus Superman um, in this like great, just almost infallible. Like you said, like infallible. Like he, he rarely ever made a mistake, mm-hmm. even in choosing his words. He chose his words very carefully in the, in the entire book. Um, which, which, which I think is such a great. It's so different from what you read today, where where all of our beloved characters are fallible. They are. They do have faults. Uh, Peter Parker. You know, he's no nobody's perfect, basically. And don't get me wrong, we love, we love those comic stories. But it was just nice. It was just a nice, like, well written, maturely written superhero with the with the qualities of like a, an old timey superhero from the forties, fifties, sixties. Mm-hmm. Um, and. Uh, I was I was talking with uh, Tony Ice that I work with, and he read the new the, like the new JMS series Sidekick, and he's like, "Whatever happened?" Like he was talking to me, he's like, "Well, where are the good superheroes at anymore?" It's like Sidekick. I'm not sure if you read is like a sidekick, like Bucky. His partner dies, and he's essentially just a zilch, yeah. and he like turns to to like bad a bad scene, and he's just not a redeeming character at all. But this Tom Strong book is just—it's just like you want more. You want more stories constantly. Yeah. Like yeah. I want—I want to download the rest of this and continue reading. Like I—I I have the number one. I have the first like three issues in my long box, um, and for whatever reason, I must have stopped. I can't remember what year this came out. It might have been during my break in comics. But how about the, like the later? I think starting with issue four. There's like a flashback tale, which relates to his present day problems. And issue four has like half the issues drawn by Art Adams. I don't think I've actually ever read an Art Adams hmm. comic. Wow! Like he's really you only really know his cover yeah. stuff like from back in the day, and he was never really a good monthly artist. I don't think he could ever really do it time wise. But it was crazy to read like uh, an Art Adams piece of work. That wasn't a cover, mm-hmm. and then now in my head compare it to Nick Bradshaw and Wolverine and the X Men, because his their styles are so similar. The I loved how they tapped different artists for the flashback and flash forward scenes in in Tom Strong. I did notice the one there was one flashback sh- scene by Jerry Ordway. I didn't yeah. uh, I didn't take notice of the other names, but that's phenomenal art. Art Adams, Dave Gibbons Ooh. from Watchmen. Oh my god. Did this not... How long did this end? I wonder how it ended, why it ended. I don't know why it ended, uh, but it ran for... I can tell you in two seconds here. Uh, I want to say 36 issues. Ended in 2006. That's, That's really not a bad run. I mean... No, I mean, I will probably start downloading these this evening. And it looks like it continues up that... There's actually one issue of Ed, Bru- Ed Brubaker has written in a, an issue... Broobs. But Man. it doesn't look like Sprouse did them all. Like, I'm wondering, mm. like, what the art team situation was like. Uh, it does look like Alan Moore doesn't write all of them, so it looks like kind of a rotating 
uh, cast. But, I mean, still, to have, like, the kind of names like Chris, uh, Chris Sprouse and Bribs, mm-hmm. Wardway still coming back on. Like, I'm scrolling through. They're all there again. This is, I mean, this is super on my radar now. Like, I can't believe Tom Strong is definitely one of the ones where before episode 100 and Red Lantern on the Twitter told us about it, I would have never, like, I've seen the Alex Ross cover cover before but i didn't i just never knew um but I, I, his whole setup like i i immediately think like sketchbook this is like commission i would get a commission of tom strong from somebody like oh, yeah. just because he's so he's such a cool guy like he he has his awesome family his his like princess wife is his wife is uh like a jungle princess where he was raised his daughter tesla and his amazing sidekicks newman and uh king solomon which is like a genetically altered gorilla i when i was reading this i knew you were gonna love that character dale you just made me smile Alan Moore, does, he just does such a great job. Like, And this is the same with Extra- League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Like, He writes dialogue so fantastically that you can just read the accent. Like, You have no trouble making out what kind of accent it is. Mm-hmm. And King Solomon is so unique in his accent that... And he's such a classy gorilla. Like... Right before he like leaps, goes to uh, leap out on an airplane to to high adventure. Like he's looking in a mirror, combing his hair, and there's an issue where he's like carrying around a uh, nine iron during his adventure. Like he's, I, I don't know. He's just really, it's just a really creative uh, <laughs> cast of characters. And Newman is like old school. He was created in 1890, like before. Tom Strong was born. His parents created Newman to help him set up their jungle uh, jungle layout. And he's, I mean, he runs on, his voice runs on like wax cylinders. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, that, was that was added. Oh, man. Uh, just worth, so worth the read. Get him, get your butt on Comixology. Get it, get the hardcovers and get one for me too. Send it to my house. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, first issue too, which I forgot was, when they talk about having kids in the flashback, he mentions, he's like, oh, I was thinking about performing an innovative brain experiment on a monkey. And like that <laughs> yeah. precludes yeah. King Solomon. I think the my favorite, like one of my favorite moments in the book is like a silly small one, but issue seven, I think it is opens with a no dialogue page of King Solomon, like getting up and getting ready for his day. And he goes over to the mirror and just starts like, starts combing his hair mm-hmm. and like he gets his coffee and then the next page is him leaping out the window <laughs> and jumping on Tom Strong's wife's like jet plane and I was like man that was such a great yeah. little segue into what was going to happen and it was just this minor addition but oh first I want to say that that Nazi nutcase was just super sexy she was she had good lord on. my heavens I mean she can probably change guys she can probably (laughs) change her ways we'll just work through it but the scene where the wife encounters her at the end oh man and she's just been building her anger for like three issues and you think she's gonna snap her neck and oh man what a great scene where she just 
rules the roost, yeah. Be- if, if that's even the phrase, and she just laid it out there. And it, and it was so cool, and it felt so good, because that it wasn't Tom Strong defeating uh, this, this Nazi. It mm. was his B.A. wife, who, you know, is like the core... She's just as strong a member of the family as Tom Strong and everybody else. And she's just like, you don't come in my house and start mm-hmm. s all over my family. My, yeah, my husband. And she started breaking her down. And it was yeah. the way it was and written. She didn't even do anything physically, really. She just like looked into her eyes and told her that was that. Like, you will never do this again. Mm-hmm. You will never come into our house. And she was, like, broken immediately, mm-hmm. which was amazing because she literally showed no flaws or weaknesses up until that point until she encountered the wife. I kind of, um, to speak more broadly, I kind of think this book isn't about Tom Strong in some degree because Al Moore is not afraid to let Tom take a back seat and just focus on the villains or focus on... You know, the supporting cast, so, you know, Tesla or his wife or even the jungle culture he came from. But in each issue, he makes sure to have that flashback. And it kind of reminds me of uh, serialized television where you have a a story that's trying to tell a, a story in the present and in the past. Where really the present story isn't focused on Tom Strong, but the flashback, whatever it is, two or three pages is always a Tom Strong story that kind of brings it all together. So Tom's mm. used more as like a literary device than he is like the star of his own book, which in itself I think is brilliant. The guy, I mean, when you get down to brass tacks, the guy, he writes a hell of a book. He can he can writes a hell of a comic constantly. I've never been displeased with Alan Moore as much I, as I... You know, I usually lose myself to the myth of Alan Moore and him, you know, the hermit that we all know and love, but I'm completely amazed. Nine foot long. And it, and it was so nice that it was so... The book, I don't know, comparative, compared to a lot of his other stuff, it was very light and airy. I mean, it's all... No matter what it is he writes, it's entertaining, but this was just had like a light a light-hearted feel to it where it did, wasn't too heavy. There wasn't any, you know, women being handled wrongly, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. as, it, as it does in other of his books. But All of his books. Oh, God. Tom Strong, you got to read this. You really, you really should check Tom Strong out. Yeah, I think if, I think there's, I think Alan Moore has a stigma for his for his work for better or worse likely worse but i mean read tom strong mm-hmm. i mean you want to find what comics can be and what fun and enjoyable adventures that's what tom strong is all about any uh closing words jonesy no i just want to loves beer kick myself for how long i let this book slip by and did, had the opportunity to read it for years and never picked up on it kick myself I'll kick you. I know you would. Possible. Meme. I'll meme you about it, though. We got your, your letters. Name. I'm gonna open them up. Farrington's gonna read them to, to you. Got a Letters 
At papercake.com. Folks, the King Letter Writer, once again, <clears throat> reporting in at Dragonfro on the Twitter. Hey, fellas, I just have one word to describe Panucci's appearance. Scandalous. Got caught up on Thanos rising yesterday. Hung. <laughs> Jason Aaron is doing a marvelous job with this title. I'm a big Thanos fan, and seeing him update... Seeing some updated history on him is awesome. I really love the nod Aaron did in issue 3 mentioning Galactus eating worlds from the Starlin cluster. <laughs> Fantastic. And Aaron's Thor God of Thunder is amazing as well. I can honestly I say they're both opposite of a pile of people. <laughs> I can honestly say they're both opposite of a pile of poopy mountain trash. <laughs> Hashtag Columbus. <laughs> Ultimate Six Rebuttal. My biggest problem with hair scenes art was the faces. Everybody was squinty and some were all some were hard to tell apart. And then there's Thor taking more than two seconds to take down Electro. And then getting praised like a puppy for not peeing on the floor. Hashtag terrible. There you um, go. Thanos the rising book like disturbs me. Really, in this, in the, in, in the psyche of Thanos, it really does. Like it's a dark because book. because you thought it was eerily similar to your own psyche, or I mean, Just because he's like a disturbed he, guy. Like he's a very disturbed individual. Oh. He starts out like a. Have you read it at all? No, I haven't read it. He starts out like a kid that's an outcast, super intellect, and he doesn't have any friends, and he like experiments with different like creatures mm. and the first issue they like go check out these animals and they go down the wrong path while i think on an expedition like a school outing and his classmates are all murdered or like eaten alive by these animals so he goes down there and kind of gets revenge on the animals and slaughters them and then he, it opens up this like fascination with death with him so he just starts like killing people and things and seeing if he can like gain emotion or insight into death and life and it's just like really creepy. Wow. Like he's a really creepy individual. And I mean that's I guess a credit to Aaron's writing, but it definitely freaks me out reading it. It sounds like it would help a great deal kind of uh Explain his motivations for whatever it is, Infinity, Infinity Gauntlet. Yeah, I mean, I'm not super familiar with the Death character that he's always infatuated with, but there's a female character in this book which he encounters a lot and is fallen in love with, and she never reciprocates. And I think that's my assumption is that that's going to be the de- the female Death character that he's always courting, championing. And yeah, I'm definitely courting. But it's very, I mean, it's just very strange huh. and dark. I mean, it's like Dahmer-esque Yikes. in this character. Wow. So there you go. There you go. That was uh, that was our letter. Our one letter this Didn't week. I mean to bring it down like that. You guys, did. the energy of this episode was a crackling. Don't fever, you worry. It hit fever pitch. When we got fever into that... Pitch. G.D. Tom Strong talk, and I said Quizzicottle the right way, I knew this was going to be a delicious episode. 112, it's pretty great. 
It might have to build its own separate wing column to break through. Oh uh, yeah. Well, Tom Strong, with the with the help of Newman, could definitely build a new wing column. Only that. Only for you know King Solomon to go bananas and break it down. How how great was the dialogue between the father and the wife? Strong, yeah, but, and then also the flash. All flashback scenes were just like old timey talk. When, uh, like, when she wanted just to like hold their son for the first time, he was like, "What are you gonna do, coddle him?" Great issue. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I like, I and I like what how they harbored no. Tom Strong harbored no ill will towards his parents for how they raised him, which was nice. Mm-hmm. He's a nice guy, Tom Strong. Want to take him out for some ice cream? We'll see everybody next week. Spoilers, life spoilers that you probably couldn't guess. Chris Somney drawing my Tom Strong commission. Mm, guessed it in my heart. Oh man, can we somehow like um, orchestrate virally him drawing Tom Strong in his next sketch? Like, you should tweet that man. How great would it be if Chris oh Somney, God. not his Twitter name, drew Tom Strong? Yes, and then he's like his next sketch. Be like, hey, it felt like drawing Tom Strong. If you I, just uh, open the chamber where he sleeps <sighs> in your basement and just put a camera on it. Would be even better. If I go silent uh, during this fireside because I'm tweeting that very thing. <laughs> That's how that Indiana Jones <laughs> sketch yeah, happened. Get that ball rolling. Oh man! Oh man! Oh god! Can you imagine Mark <laughs> Wade and Chris Somney on an Indiana Jones monthly comic? Can you imagine it right now, guys? I'd, I'd pay four ninety nine. Where maybe for that. he meets up with the Rocketeer in the Spirit too. You know, <laughs> oh, my gosh, the license issues with yeah. that just made me poop <laughs> a little bit in my pants. Somehow Jack Kirby would be involved, and hey, Jonesy, the um, Bat- Batman Beyond. Are you reading that? Did you? No, read I got I got off of it a while ago. There's apparently two series. There's Batman Beyond, and then there's Batman Beyond two point What? Both? Yeah, I don't know what's going. They're both on. New Fifty Two comics. No, no I, mean, I think they're, they're digital, digital first. Oh. But um, Batman Beyond 2, 2. just started, and I was hazy on what happened to Nightwing in that universe. Do you remember? Yeah, Nightwing, uh, if you remember back in the old 52 when they had the uh, 6 or 17 issue run of uh, Batman Beyond, Nightwing was with Batman, and there was that great issue where Batman screens Nightwing with his cape. And like, because he'd been working alone so long, oh, and the machine yeah, yeah. gun like rips through his cape and kind of paralyzes Dick Grayson, and Dick Grayson at that point like quits his career as Nightwing, and so at the conclusion of the uh, Batman Beyond Catwoman story, you know they have all those robot Batman out there, and they're taken over by the clone of Dick Grayson, that uh, Dick himself like joins the bad family for like one last adventure. Then there's that great scene where Bruce is like, you know, 
it's been too long. You need to come back. You're like my son. I love you, and I'm sorry for all the things I did. But then it cuts away to that Dick Grayson's already thrown the uh, earpiece on the ground like 10 minutes ago. <laughs> and, uh, you know, Terry McGinnis is kind of just stand there awkwardly listening to Bruce have this confession. So I, I don't know what happened reasons. after that, but that two was his introduction. The reason I ask, uh, spoiler territory, is Terry McGinnis is, like, doing stuff in this first issue. And he's talking to, you know, the voice in his helmet. And then at the end of the issue, it's revealed to be Nightwing. It, it could be that Bruce finally kicks the bucket. I don't know. Or maybe that's the first story arc is them revealing why it's Dick He's Grayson. got like a scar or something. Like an eye patch, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think he lost the eye in the uh, machine gun fire. Classic machine gun injury. <laughs> right classic, through the eye. Classic old Somehow old you live. <laughs> old 52 what about continuity a, right there. What did you think of RoboCop? I did loved it. That? Yeah. I love. I absolutely loved it. I like the art. I like the his dark face and... looks terrible, and there's that gunshot oh wound on the forehead that he his... ne- he doesn't miss in any panel. I would fully expect like the next series of Robocop to just be his face skin hanging off <laughs> his robotic <laughs> shell. Like you could see, like under the half helmet, his face is just like hanging off. <laughs> his face meat. I I, yeah, I I dug it. I mean, the ending. Just like, did you find the ending just really abrupt? It's like yeah, they ran I, out of actually, pages. I was going to uh, do that as my book club and make a point that it just kind of ends mid conversation almost. It was She's the like, oddest... hey, Robocop, this is the reason that stay tuned. You know, you're yeah, like, yeah, what? it was the oddest issue ending I think I've ever read in a comic book. Whoa. And let me see if I can forward to it here. Also, it's I love how his, his costume is all beat up and there's just like scars everywhere. Um, oh, yeah, what, it's what, so she's talking about OCP. She's like, and here you are, out to destroy the people who created you. You really hate them, don't you? Question mark to be to continued. Be continued. Like, what? What just happened? Did we like plan this issue poorly or something? It's writing but, for the trade. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I guess in like a trade form, some the next issue will just, just deleted continue. the last page by accident. Was too afraid to tell him. <laughs> what's the uh, What's the story with Battle Damage Robocop? Is he Battle Damage right from the get go? Yeah, he's uh, the premise the is that OCP has fired all the police officers, uh, and OCP uh, is like a private uh, ex-military police force, and is just basically instituted martial law in Detroit, and are after the poor, and uh, RoboCop is like their champion, and he uh, and they're spreading going, false news about him too. They're calling him like a mass murderer on the news. Mm. Yeah, that the he's reporters are having wire. moral issues like reading that news. Sounds like, uh, sounds yeah, like, that was a great cutaway. It was like, I can't believe what we're reading. He's like, think about your job, Diane. Sounds like Damon Killian's working for uh, OCP over there. <laughs> and the story is by Frank Miller. So I'm wondering when he wrote the story. Is this new or is this just like more unused Frank Miller movie scripts? I don't know. God, I hope that I hope they never make this story a movie. Did Alex you ever Murphy, watch those TV made-for-TV movies that were once on like Netflix? No, the last one I watched was him with a rocket pack, and I knew I couldn't watch it after that. They were the some of the most horrific images on a television that I've ever seen. Where were we talking about that? Were we talking about that uh, paper cake meetup? Barcade, I think. Yeah, yeah. it might have been. You yeah, were was... drunkenly going on about RoboCop. You were having a a shouting match with Don Garvey. Because he was like, I think there was only three movies. So let me hear it. No, Don. Listen. There was they like made four. There was like at least four made for TV movies. Prime Directive. I, no, Prime Slim, Directive I believe you. 
I am. I, on board. I, you're 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 now you're Don Garvey in my eyes, and I need to yell <laughs> at you. But <laughs> I'm a gr- I'm not contrary. I'm not a contrarian. <laughs> uh, what else? How about a Daredevil, uh, Dark Knights? Beautiful what ending. What a great to bow tie ending to that story. Now, Weeks is off, right? It, this yeah, title is just changes. like you get to tell your one Daredevil story and then you jump off. I think he comes back, though. I think in the first issue, Back Matter, it says that he comes back and maybe writes a story. What great. I didn't realize is that um, Sergio, he had some art help on this issue. It said I story and pencils Lee Weeks finished art Lee Weeks Sergio oh, Cariello wow. and Tom Palmer Tom Palmer I couldn't uh, you know compliments I guess yeah I couldn't tell either so that's good the colors what did it though the colors in this book were just Lee Luridge you know uh, you know where you might remember that name from Fear Agent <laughs> tell me more <laughs> tell me more oh uh, yeah I was going to say, there's, there's one scene in this book that I almost teared up in the train. Uh, when he finally makes the delivery and he asks, like, the orderly, are you fast? And the guy's like, I am today. Yeah, holy <laughs> crap. <laughs> Speaking I, of fear agent, you were starting a sentence that's that sounded like that? No, for, first real quick, I'm glad that the kingpin involvement didn't get too out of hand and take away from the story of Daredevil in the snow. Mm. Like when <clears throat> I I kind of, I didn't lose hope, but I kind of, last issue when, you know, the father contacted Dare, uh, kingpin f- to pull that favor, I was kind of like hoping it didn't turn into a superhero, supervillain kind of story with, the, you know, the the little girl's heart, the backdrop, and it, but it didn't go that way. Luckily, it didn't really have <clears throat> much, and I was happy. About I actually that. forgot about that side story when I was reading it. That's good. I still think in that first issue that line where he regains his memory and he opens up his shirt like Superman style, and there's the DD, and he tells the orderly, "Show me the quickest way to the roof." Oh my god, I'm getting chills right now just thinking about. It. Could be a stroke. You could be stroking out. Do we want to call your doctor? Am I even on a podcast right now? He'll just say I'm fine. <laughs> it's just it's okay. It's just a recording of him saying peak physical condition. <laughs> well, you can see out of one eye, right? So what's the problem? <laughs> and it would just be a uh, a vine, a six second vine of <laughs> a diet coke emptying out on the floor, like it's spilled, <laughs> and it's just leaking out on the floor everywhere. Mm-hmm. Oh, vine. you guys are great. Best friend, you're the three best friends that anyone could have. How about all new X Men or Action Comics? I have the downloaded, but I haven't read it. I haven't read this week's either. Same. Hmm. Did not. I'm actually like two or three episodes uh, issues behind on all new X Men. Not because the blooms off the rose. I just haven't had a chance to catch up on it yet. It's good to save those up, you know. Read two or three at a time. Mm. Mm. If only that that easy. I've been doing that with Uncanny X-Men and and Uncanny Avengers. Uncanny Avengers, too. That's going... That's going places. I'm not sure if it's my... Is that that on your drop list? um, That was... That's actually still a... uh, It was gifted to me, one of those mail subscriptions for Christmas. So you're probably on issue like three. 
according to mailing <laughs> yeah, exactly. They're so four far will behind. be to you in like three months. <laughs> I just got I just redeemed issue ten, I think, or nine. Oh, 10. okay. But I didn't read it yet. Hmm. There was something else I read that I liked that I, I didn't talk about. Hang on. I think I will just start reading Tom Strong tonight. Mm. You might have to. Oh God, twelve thirty. Oh, I read a book. Um, Still playing time for Skyrim tonight. So, <laughs> Bushido. Did you read this one? Never heard of it. It's available in the app, but it's like a super preview issue. The it doesn't come out till October, but it's pretty neat. It's like uh, you know, ever since I started reading the old uh, uh, Usagi Ojimbo, I kind of love these samurai stories. Now, this one is like um. It's like a young uh, East Western European kid on a trade ship gets plagued by vampires. And don't stop listening because it said the word vampires. But he like falls overboard and washes up and gets trained as like adopted by a samurai. And then uh, like the vampires come back looking for him because I guess they, they have his scent. So they need to uh, kill him and eat him. And he fights him. But he ends up like he and his father are like fighting back to back. And one of his own swords gets run through his father. And as, like, the rest of the people are coming to investigate the commotion, all they see is him with his father run through. And they're, you know, about to arrest him or whatever they're going to do. And the vampires are all disappeared. So he's, it's like he's crazy. Mm-hmm. It's kind of cool. It's it's only a preview issue. And I think it's only going to be a three-part mini. But I, it doesn't start till October. It's very strange. You know what looks like a lot of fun is that the Star Wars book from Dark Horse. Yeah, and that could, be, that could be really cool, I think. That could be really, I think really soon. good. soon. Oh, it's not out yet? What's the title? The Star Wars. Oh, really? Great. That's, no, I'm not, I'm not being facetious. It's oh, the okay. one that's based on George Lucas's original treatment for the movie. Wow, that's cool. You guys ever see those uh, those panels that he did? Like his test art? I've seen like the t- Luke Skywalker's seen... got like an air tank on. Yeah. And the lightsaber's like attached to a backpack. I think it was like Ralph McQuarrie story. Yeah, McQuarrie, that's right. But um, there's a really great post that shows you the history of the logo, like from mm-hmm. movie announcement to actual release and how it changed, and it's super cool. Pretty pumped for that. Let's do a flap just on your gray hair. Please. What's happening over there? Is it just... Were you, did you used to color it, and now you're just throwing out the coloring? <laughs> no. Because it looks fantastic. I think the light, too, right over top of my head is um, making it maybe look grayer than it is. Maybe <laughs> I am getting grayer by the day. Who knows? Maybe. I mean, like, you know, those two kids run around. <laughs> my God. I don't know how God. you do it. Great. I'm surprised, you're, I'm surprised they haven't been down that, that basement and just... Used your comics as toilet paper, <laughs> all of them. <laughs> what he, happens when that when that ha- actually when that actually does happen? When you go down there and you just smell it and you're like, "Oh no, this I, is it." I I have, I have a. You just realistic, throw down the stairs. Yeah, I do. I would probably just let the wolf spiders that I find <laughs> on my floor just take the wolf. me, take me, take me away. I, I got know. a funny spider story. Uh, <laughs> 